You're listening to The Perth Property Show, Australia's only weekly property podcast by West Australian experts for West Australian listeners. Catch your latest episode every Monday at 7am. Welcome to our first anniversary episode of The Perth Property Show. It is the 2nd of December 2019. Super excited and proud to say that we've just passed our 52nd episode. This is episode 53. We've gotten through probably the toughest year in property that I've been alive for. If you listen back to our first episode, which was titled, Is Perth on the Way Up? We might have to call that, Is Perth on the Way Up? stage two or version two we have one man that could be a part of this episode that can be the feature and star of this episode it is a 100 percent focus on the perth market update you know who this man is it's brendan ptolemy thank you very much and thank you again for the support you've had for the program since it started cheers trent g'day thanks for having me on uh fantastic to be here in the one year anniversary i can't believe it's a year who would have thought? I mean, I'm not sure what the stats are on podcasts in general that last this long, but hopefully we're 10 years down the track in 2029 and having the same conversation of holy moly, we just did 10 years and we've had a cycle and a half and yeah, we've seen the, the last sort of upswing and downswing probably as they all, everything goes up, everything goes down. Let's make sure that we have a bit of a time yeah, capsule well, and think about that, right? Absolutely, because if you're listening to this, you always need to remember that property is a long-term game and uh, I think that through our down cycle, it's been really easy for people to start to think of it as a short-term game. And when you look at Perth over a, l- a long period of time, this is probably the biggest down cycle that we've ever had. So it's really good to remember that if you go in for the long game, you know, a 10-year time frame is a really good time frame on, on property in the Perth marketplace. Well, especially with transactional costs, when you think about the long-term heavy investment that goes into a suburb and a city that eventually affects prices. You look at the East Coast and anything that moves, it, it, I, can't, I can't believe right now that we're talking about the East Coast not being in a serious downturn. I'm hoping it's only credit fueled and yep. the rest of the fundamentals aren't are still making sense and some point we'll be oh, I'll be a bit more accurate with it but you think about the east coast and you think about the FOMO involved I feel less risky in Perth right now I feel Absolutely. more comfortable buying in Perth right now yeah one of the things I think that we probably have talked about uh, over the last year and certainly at the start of last year was um, or this year sorry was uh, the, the east, po- east coast people coming to our market we certainly thought that there would be more money coming from the east coast into Perth this year uh, that certainly didn't eventuate as much as we thought it would basically because they got refocused on their own own marketplace uh, interest rates in their own marketplace obviously money being really cheap and then the FOMO kicked in as you just mentioned big headlines in the last few weeks about FOMO because they're uh, auction clearance rate has gone through 70% and is on its way to 80%, which is just unbelievable. And and a lack of stock there as well, which is which it was helping that FOMO. Yeah. If I wasn't nervous six months ago for that market, I'm yeah. nervous now. And Absolutely. It just seems like the fundamentals have all fallen away now. It's just a whole bunch of everyone who thought they'd missed out a year ago or a year and a half ago going, oh, I can get in now before it's too late. Yep. And interestingly, we, we, we have seen a couple of these bounces in our marketplace in the past. Tell um, us about that, a bit of a history. Yeah, so about three years ago, we, we had a little bit of dead cat bounce. So we had the, the market dropping off everywhere in Perth. And then we just had these pockets. Uh, I remember uh, South Perth Como had this little recovery quickly while everyone went, hang on, that's cheap long term for that location. I'll go jump back in there and buy something. And suddenly the stock gets cleared out and values go back up again. Um, we're still seeing a lot of that around Perth at the moment, a real patchy market uh, where some suburbs get a number of listings over a short period of time. 
they get cleaned up because people come through and say, hey, look, this is a, a nice place to live. Yeah. And then we, we see the, the prices rise on the back of that, a little bit of that mini FOMO happening in, in a suburb. Uh, and then we go back to a more normal market cycle there. As in everyone calms down, the stock that was on the market gets cleaned out. There's not so many more uh, properties coming to the, the same market in that suburb. And then values level out slightly after that. Yeah, Isn't it interesting how... We have these tiny isolated pockets where people, we live every day in these suburbs, these pockets. We feel the vibe around, if we're especially if we're looking for property at the time. And they can affect those small recoveries and little pockets in Perth. But at the end of the day, after that two, three month cycle, it will always be the broader city-based fundamentals that will be either pushing a, a state forward yep. or holding it back, which is why we've seen so many false starts in Perth around town and in the southwest yep always yeah absolutely and, and from our point of view as valuers having a look at some of these areas where we literally have a, a valuer walk back into the office and say hey look uh, something's happening in this suburb it's getting cleaned out a little bit there's a little bit of value growth there i think it's going to bounce a little bit well the value is just quite excited again. about yeah. as the rest of us yeah, right? yeah absolutely we all love yeah. property yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> as arm's length as you want to be as a valuer you still look at it and go guys look what's going on yeah yeah absolutely yeah so and we've had those blips i think we've talked about a couple in the past we had some stats there when we saw suburbs like uh, from recollection over the last year or so we had Dunkraig jump out at one point in time had Atwell jump out at another point in time we had uh, obviously the Dalkeith Nedlands clean up and clear out where uh, there was a, a, an excess of stock in there and suddenly everyone came through and cleaned that up. Yep, including um, me. Yes, <laughs> yeah. And, and so interestingly, we're just seeing the next bounce of that with the, the rezonings happening through that area. So saw a lot of standoff, a lot of everybody standing in the street almost looking at what was going to happen with, while we were waiting for the zonings to get approved. As soon as they got approved, we've seen a whole lot of transactions come through there in the in the last uh, two or three months. Yeah, let's go around town. I guess let's start talking about some stats. Uh, I guess we'll continue to have lots of little anecdotes. One of my favourite real estate agents to come in. He's been in a few times now. Is Devin Kelly? I think I spoke to you about this over the phone when yeah. we were chatting last week. He has anecdotally said over the podcast and personally to me that his volumes are essentially doubled in the last quarter to what they were for the last year before that yep can you explain is that exactly what you were just talking about before we haven't really seen massive price rises no but transactions in a suburb where most of us would realize cloverdale belmont rivervale they've been smashed yep. over the last few years what brings people to market I guess for the spring season yeah it's really interesting uh, what which fundamentals start driving people first uh, I think that what's happened over this spring season is uh, all of the promotion and all of the front page news and, and the politicking around cheap interest rates has finally hit home and people have realised that uh, this is the cheapest money's going to get there's probably another quarter half a percent down to, to go in terms of interest rates so why wouldn't I go and spend the money now because that's a long-term trend now uh, it, it, in the next few years at least my interest rates are going to be at, at, at this level and so there's one motivating factor to go okay I'll go jump back in the market then as you said you've got the idea of I've been watching this market for a while I remember when the house down the road on the corner the development side in the case of city of Belmont was selling at $900,000 that's now corrected significantly and I can see that it's cheap so I've got cheap money I've got a, a cheap listing price and hoarding up my money yeah hopefully yeah. paying down everyone should have been paying yeah. off their mortgages as fast Missed as they opportunity can opportunity if you're not yeah absolutely yeah that's definitely the should have been the focus after the last couple of years and should still be the focus obviously yeah. uh, get rid of that mortgage while the while the 
the interest rates are so low. And then, yeah, that, that then starts motivating people to, to take some action. I think the other final piece of the, the puzzle there is to see it is a little bit of the FOMO. So they do want to see other people go and buy something because that gives you the self-belief that the market probably has changed slightly. So they'll see another property sell. Might be the one we just talked about down the road on the corner. And they think, hang on. I've been looking at this for a little while and this is the cheapest that I've seen it. Mm. So I better start having a look around. And and the other other one there, you know, we're talking development sites there. The other one there might just be the, the upgrade buyer. So I'm in the house down the road with three bedrooms, one bathroom. I love the area. I want to upgrade to something newer. Uh, the kids are in the same school. I just want to move around the corner and basically be in the same area, but I don't want to renovate my house. I want something newer and I'll go and do the upgrade buyer within the generally the same location. Yeah. Well, the assessment rates came down at the start of, july august essentially yep. so you'd expect two three months from now people starting to have those conversations around the dinner table to talk to their broker their bank and yep. understand in real terms actually yeah now i can afford this yeah so what what we've been seeing in the marketplace just in the last couple of months is probably a little bit of that pent-up demand coming through uh, so people like devon that are really busy are potentially busy because the people that went to look to buy within the last 18 months to two years around the election yeah most likely didn't get finance approval because of the the hems type assessments that were the headline around that point in time and, and generally what we found was those people were the people that would usually get approved. We had bankers and brokers talking to us about their individual customer situations where they knew that that person would have gotten approval in the past and under the new assessment of their expenses and their income side of the equation, they weren't getting approved from the bank. So those people put the queue in the rack, got uh, maybe a little bit disconsolate about uh, whether they were going to do the upgrade buy or buy the development site or buy the extra investment property. And now what we're seeing is probably the brokers and the bankers knocking on their door again. Hey, look, things have changed. Money's available again. There's some more liquidity in the marketplace. So why don't you have a look around and and maybe let's reassess your position. Yeah. Yeah. On the settlement side, for example, in our settlements business at Strategic, we can't make business happen. It's really just a share of how big that pie is. And the stats on our side are we've never had in the last four weeks our volumes have pretty much been double yep. since the rest of the, the year now is that a little bit of marketing is that you know more business referrals possibly some of that yep. but you just don't double over the space no, without no. something yeah. happening strate- uh, structurally in the market and yep. that's just a reflection of transactions so do you have any stats or information on how the transaction volume has been looking over the spring season seasonally obviously springs always a bit better than anyone else any yeah. other time but yeah yeah well interestingly the the stat that stood out to us with the listing stat on the way into spring because listings went from 15 and a half odd thousand listings according to rewa down to 13,800 and they've hit that bottom and then bounced back up. So there are a few different factors going on there. A little bit of the uh, relaunch, I'll take it off the market and then bring it back. There was also a little bit of stock being soaked, soaked up really quickly on the way into spring. So people jumping first and going, I'll get in. And then a little bit of rental market activity as well, as in people uh, taking a house that they thought that they might sell, taking that off the market and renting it. Um, and certainly we heard some stories from agents around baby boomers uh, always nice to victimize the baby boomers but uh, essentially as property starts to look like a better investment uh, and rentals leveling out and potentially bouncing up slightly suddenly property is looking much better than 1.75 percent in the bank for a, a term deposit if you can get four or five percent yield on your your rental property obviously we've already talked about interest rates being cheap so people decided have decided hang on 
I'll take that off the market and keep it because I can rent it and get an income from it again. And there's that supply factor being affected. Yep, drawing up that supply. And then that that obviously starts to put some pressure on prices in some locations. Yeah. Well, that was exactly what I was reporting on in Channel 9 a week and a half ago. The stats that came out from CoreLogic recently, they're pretty uh, straightforward. It's not hard to understand. Perth's gross rental yield is at 4.3%. Yep. Our five-year and three-year mortgage rates are in the low threes. Yep. If you're buying a property today in, with the purpose of investment and it's not positively geared, you've not bought a good investment. Yeah, yeah. Yep. You know? yep. It's that straightforward yeah. right now. And that's a phenomenon that has never existed in Perth's recorded data history. Yes. And the other exciting part about that is that the REWA stats are saying that rents have bottomed out and they're moving upwards again. So While vacancy rates, rates are still going down. Yeah, yeah. Vacancy rates gone down. It's at 2.7% off a high of it pretty much hit 6%. So yeah. it's, it's more than halved. Uh, and so then again, that puts that pressure on, on rent rental rates as well. And, you know, this then coupled with what we're going to get to and talk about some of the suburbs that are probably the cheapest they're ever going to be. Uh, I think that we probably said that in the podcast 12 months ago. Yeah, exactly. Um, and, and we were sitting here bullish about going into a, a market still declining. Really what we're thinking about now is when, when do you jump in? So there's some really decent suburbs and I, I hate to have to go back to what we were talking about before, but it's a good point of reference. And in the past, we've hey, talked about- if it about- was a good idea a year ago, <laughs> it's still a good, good idea today. Yeah, yeah. Perth, if anyone can explain Perth in the last year, it's it's done nothing. Yeah, yeah. We haven't built anything. We haven't lost anything. Everyone's sort of just been sitting around watching Bill Shorten make a fool of himself yep. and the Royal Banking Commission come and go. Yeah. Uh, really, we should just probably press pause right now and continue with a recording of what we did a year ago. Yeah, right? yeah. Well, so I found some stats to be uh, to give us some excitement. Um, we would have talked about Baldivis a year ago. So, you know, big suburb. So it gets victimized on the statistics By because me as it well. is absolutely massive when you compare it to lots of other suburbs around. Uh, so therefore, it has a lot of supply. But what we're seeing now, compared to a couple of years ago, in 2017, August 2017, we did some stat, a snapshot of Baldivis. There were 650 odd properties on the market. Bearing in mind this, this is some of the marketing house and land packages yeah, in there and stuff yep. like that as well. Uh, September 18, that had dropped to 590, and September 19, that's down to 500. So you can see that stock slowly and the supply there slowly slowly ebbing away. It is still a massive number. It is still pretty much two years worth of supply for when that location. When you compare it to under-offer numbers, yep. it's still pretty poor, isn't it? Yeah, so only about 8% of that, that. Yeah, see, that's still like pathetic. Is under-offer. Yeah, yeah, yep. As opposed to I some was, of the other suburbs. I was, I was expecting you to tell me to lighten up yeah, yeah. on well, Baldivis. Yeah, look, I, I think... We need it, though. If, if this market as an average is going to recover yep. as a median... We, it needs to come from the bottom. Yeah, absolutely. And so there's still a really decent argument to be had here. If you're going to buy an investment property, there's a whole lot of supply down there. It's still a very rentable location. Go and talk to the people that live in Baldivis. It's like a it nice though. place to live. Yeah. There's a really good schools there, great shopping uh, center, decent infrastructure, some nice parks and that kind of stuff. Uh, easy to get to the freeway and easy to get down to Rockingham towards the beach as well. So it's, it's not a bad location by any stretch of the imagination. It's just been oversupplied and it is you know one name that covers yeah. 
uh, a, a really large area. geographical area. Probably what will end up being a couple of suburbs, right? Absolutely, yeah. And so we, my suggestion would be if you're an investor or you're a first home buyer, uh, you go and pick, pick the eyes. That's your opportunity. Pick the eyes out of that suburb to find either the bargain basement property, which probably needs some work because there's a few mortgagee and possession properties and some uncared for properties there. So if you're buying the cheapest property, it probably needs some work and you might have the ability to do that. Or you, you go and buy the one that's in the best condition and ready to be rented out or lived in by yourself. And I think what you'll find is certainly as a first home buyer and as an investor that it's cheaper than the house and land package down the road. Hey, Gavin Hegney was talking a couple of weeks ago at an event that I was attending and one of the really interesting pieces of information he pulled out for that night was the Aspen Group's purchase. Yep. $20 million of just run-of-the-mill, mortgaging possession style properties that you would probably want to be, wouldn't want to be living in yourself without a good lick of paint. Yep. Uh, they just picked up, you know, it looks, sounds like about 70 of them. Yep. This is a big fund, 20 million bucks. They just spent on passive investments in yeah, yeah. Perth. It's yep. quite interesting. You think about what it would take to approve a decision like that, yep. not to get into apartments, not to get into developments, but to just buy underpriced mortgaging and possession properties around the Rockingham area, yep. Old Ibis, etc. Pretty interesting to see a company like that come in and say, now is the time to spend that money. Absolutely. And it, you know, maybe it's a good lead indicator. Uh, it's really interesting to consider that against you know some of the build-to-rent stuff, the complexes that we've had in, in Subiaco. What it is indicating is that there's money looking for places to be located in terms of trying to get a return. And they're obviously sitting back saying it's worth putting that amount of money into residential property in Perth because number one, capital values are probably the lowest they'll be in a long period of time. And number two, I can pull a four or 5% gross yield out of it and that's much better than I'm going to get out of uh, maybe another Well, they reckon they're going to get 7%. Isn't that interesting? It is interesting. When you think about the, the yeah, well, when you look when you when you're buying it that cheap, yeah. you, maybe they're doing a bit of a quick reno, yeah. you know, upgrade the floors and, and get it going. When you think about seven percent as a fund, pair it to one percent in the deposit rates, yeah. it's not bad. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and then you've and, got hopeful capital growth in the future. Yeah. Yeah. And so maybe they are building some capital growth into that seven percent. Yeah. But obviously there's uh, the way that the Perth market cycle has gone in the past, you would expect to be able to get some capital growth in that fund for sure. Yep. What else you got for us? Some of the other stats that we looked at around Perth Metro, there was a good one that we found in terms of researching Cottesloe. And I, I hate to kind of highlight suburbs that not all of us can afford to live in, but it was an example of where you can see why you would invest in property in Perth for a long period of time. So two sales in a prime street. I won't name the street just for privacy reasons, but people can find this data. It's available at the Value of General's office. It will be available and, in RP and data. CoreLogic sure. and yeah. that kind of stuff. Essentially, um, two sales that... Uh, so one purchased in December 1994. Ocean views these houses and, and lots. So one street back from the beach purchased in 94 for $615,000. Resold in August last year at $4.5 million. That's a 26% average annual increase yeah. on your house that you might be living in. <laughs> in Cottesloe and then two doors down similar situation so purchased in 97 interestingly three years later for not a dissimilar property or block for $880,000 so already a couple hundred grand different to uh, to the one next door and that sold in July 2018 for 4.325 so again a 19% average annual increase do, do you reckon there would have been some renos some oh, both very livable houses yeah not, not original houses so it's certainly been up uh, kept up 
to date over a period of time. Very much kind of late seventies, early eighties. But they're type not houses. knockdowns. Start again. Uh, that you could live there for a year or two. Yeah. No, so they haven't been knocked down. Haven't been knocked down. Yeah, at this wow. point in time. There you go. So yeah. when you look at those charts of especially the property spruikers, they try and always compare property to shares and say shares are 11 point something properties 11 point something since yep. the 50s right yeah yeah and you can and you go oh oh yeah you know well what about my house what about that house it's always an average some are up lower some are higher well you look at a place like Cottesloe where we are always talking about fundamentals and again we understand not the most successful suburb but let's look at that as the highest potential option that you'd be looking at why great schools around next to water Yep. next to public transport, Yep. great cafe strips, all those sort of things. So all the fundamentals we talk about, other than probably being close to the city, which isn't really relevant in Cottesloe because you've got everything else, yep. you then look at, well, what can you do with property as a passive hold over the last 24? And this is after the slump, right? Yep. Yeah, yeah. And we're making in the sort of 20% per year. Yeah, yeah. That's what happens when you make the right passive investment decision. Yep, absolutely. So, and then if we lead into sort of fundamentals for our Perth market, as in why would you go and buy? Um, why is it different? How How is next year, 2020, going to be different to 2019? What we have seen is just some little blips on the radar in terms of net migration back into WA. So if you have a look at the, um, the state government's stats on net migration, it is just being dominated by natural increase. So last year and the year before, we spent a lot of time with population going backwards, net migration outflow as opposed to inflow. So it's just gone back to It was just the babies being born that were keeping it above exactly. zero, right? Yeah, yeah. Population increase from net migration is just started to, to in the positive. Well, there you go. That's fantastic. Consumer sentiment is just in the positive at the moment as well. And, you know, these things aren't revolutionary in terms of changing everything tomorrow, but it is a trend that that means that we're moving in the right direction. And the other thing is labour force. So really interesting graph that I um, found on the REWA website of just that full-time employment jumping and so going upwards whilst the unemployed, sorry, the part-time employment going downwards. So you're swapping those jobs around. The underemployment. And that yeah. the employment market's moving from people that are only part-time employed and, and therefore not maximising the income they want to make to a more full-time employed status, uh, which means that they've obviously find it easier to get finance and commit to, to long-term debt and those kinds of things and make big purchase decisions, obviously, and buy a house. Yeah. The two factors for me that I think are different about next year compared to this year, one, we don't have an election coming up. Yep. Uncertainty always around election. We yeah, don't yeah. like elections. Yep. Two, we don't have a Royal Banking Commission yep. coming up. Those two things that came double punch, January, February, and then May. Yep. You may as well have just been in the Bahamas for the first six months of last of this year, to be honest. When you, yeah, when you yeah. talk about property and reporting, it was nothing good to say. No. So both on a fiscal and monetary policy, that none of nothing was helping Perth. No. Secondly, we've got strong data, and we've put this up on our website before, for example, that the next mining push, I'm not going to call it a boom, but in terms of employment is 2020 to 2024. That's when all the big upgrade projects and new projects coming through in WA, that's when the construction phase is. That's when the people come in. Yep. So it's not a forever game, just like we've already we already know it, it fell off in twenty fifteen last time. But you recognise where there is that increase in population, which is demand, which is not being kept up with by the extremely shrunk building industry. Yep. Which will always have a two year gap two-year lead time to keep up with what is about to happen in terms of that increase in population growth. So. Yeah, yep. Yeah, and we, we did uh, some quick stats on the top 
10 mining current mining ventures, as in projects that are already underway. There's $20 billion of resource investment happening there uh, across projects like um, South Flank and Iron Bridge and Kudaydari, I can't say that. Kudaydari, uh, yeah. yeah. So that's BHP, FMG, Rio, all up north, obviously. But that also drops down into some of the lithium projects down south. Um, green bushes. Green bushes, which is a, a really good story. Bunbury, at least. Yeah, half a billion dollars worth of investment down there. So they're really good stories in terms of taking or maintaining and pushing through that, that employment phase. Yeah. Roads as well. Yeah, well, obviously, infrastructure investment being promoted last week by federal government and state government on the back of that. Metronet, I think, in the last couple of weeks, we've got Yanship extensions and, and train stations being announced, those kinds of things. So that, that infrastructure push is, is bubbling under. There's plenty of work to come there and certainly a lot of jobs to come out of there as well. Well, I looked at the skilled migration visa list last week in my fun reading time. <laughs> and for anyone out there who's got a friend overseas looking to come to Australia, you can do whatever you want and you're essentially, you got a job, it seems. Yep. You can be a dance teacher, you can be a baker, you can be... Uh, and, uh, I, the list goes on bricklayers again it's uh, it's quite interesting to see that it's a very broad spectrum of jobs and qualifications if this if there is someone needing that position filled in WA uh, be, you know have a look yeah obviously we are looking more affordable too um, so if you go to the the good old HTW property clock we are still indicating that we're at the bottom of the market so that's another factor in terms of saying to people overseas here you go look at this this is where our market's at. Rents are still probably the cheapest they're going to be in a really long period of time in terms of getting into the place. Or if you want to come here and buy a house, it's still really cheap to come in the door and buy a house as well. Yeah. Very much so. I'd like to see the state government step up just in the same way. And we'll talk about this in, in, the, in the next few weeks, I guess, the off-the-plan stuff. But in the same way that they done their very smart stamp duty reduction for off the plans i'd like to see them scale back their foreign duty again it's not like it's costing them anything because yep. no foreign buyers are buying yep. so it's not like they're missing out on any money they're currently getting yes i'd like yeah, to see yeah. them scale that back that will help with backing in uh, a bit of that construction work on the apartment side for off the plans we need chinese investors yeah 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 there's just not enough money in perth and if there is they're all a bit nervous Yep. So we need that extra push from somewhere and making us more attractive on a national basis to Southeast Asia, especially with that money yep. compared to Queensland and Sydney that have always got the buzz, even if it's a bad market. Something like that, before we kicked it up to 7%, we always had that competitive advantage. Yeah, yeah, and absolutely. We, we are looking much more affordable than we ever have before. And I thought we'd probably just single out some suburbs because when yeah. I do presentations to bankers People and brokers they, they is, want to know the names be, of the suburbs here we go yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so and, and really the angle I'm coming at this from is essentially our value is on the ground at Heron White out there every day just saying hey look we can see some bargains happening here or some lowest prices in these suburbs. But what I'm trying to, trying to demonstrate to the audience here is the value decrease and, and essentially um, where the numbers have got, come from and gone to in terms of saying, look, that is really well priced and this is a time that I should consider buying. Mm, um, I'm interested to hear, Brent. Oh, not even I've heard this list yet. So, so. we're off to, off to good old Beldivis to start off with. And, yep. and the decrease ranges um, in terms of capital value from the ones that we've analysed here. We've got a small sample size, but 60 odd thousand dollar loss over four or five years through to $130,000 loss in, in a five-year period. And in, a, in terms of percentage decreases, 
prices for those individual properties, it's between 12 and 32% mm. of value across those properties. So what are we talking about in terms of investment number? So the sales prices now within the last few months, $270,000, $370,000, the upper end of the range in there, $455,000, down from over half a million in the past. And the other stories there are, are properties that were either side of $400,000 now selling at $280,000. So it's a substantial decrease in terms of... You know what the heartbreaking thing about that is, Brendan? That's not... And in most cases, that's not people losing their deposit. That's people losing their deposit and then some. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's really, really disappointing to be able to, uh, to have to go through those numbers because it is obviously capital being eroded. Hopefully, we haven't Personal lost... Personal loans from the banks. Yeah, yeah. At the end of the day, that's what it is. Yeah, or bankruptcy, which is what they don't want to do for you. Yeah. Banks will do what they can to keep you out of there. But they'll still make sure you've got a $50,000 personal loan to pay off. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, the banks have certainly got a lot better at managing uh, their, their their customers that are in difficulty. So I've had it told to me by the, the, the couple of the banks out of uh, their head offices out on the East Coast that if you are in trouble, then you need to go and talk to them first mm. because they do have their own financial counsellors and those types of people that are more than happy to talk to you and they aren't going to close you up. It's just not in their interest anymore. They don't need another banking commission because a few people have lost their homes and been made to go bankrupt. It's just, it probably costs them less to just put them on a personal loan, to be honest. Yeah, so, and then round to the Southeast Corridor, just so that we're not victimizing Baldados the whole time. Uh, Down Byford Way and into uh, Haynes and Camillo. So, some samples there where the percentage decrease is between 6 and 22%, and those actual numbers aren't as severe as Baldados. So, Byford Way, round capital value of just over four hundred thousand dollars it's gone down by thirty odd thousand dollars again another sample that was up near five hundred thousand dollars that's now closer to four hundred thousand dollars similar examples dropping down to 320 and then another one which is camillo sold at two hundred eighty thousand dollars so getting back down at that really cheaper end of the marketplace and again shows that correction isn't just within Beldivis, it's in other locations as well it's a whole demographic where we've seen the real correction. If you yep. look at the numbers across the 200 suburbs in Perth, at least the mining that we've done, when you think about how Perth has dropped 20% in the last five years, for me, a good portion of that 20% is most of the bottom quartile of suburbs in Perth in terms of prices dropping 30% Yep. where all the volume is. And then half of Perth dropping 5 to 10% in yep. that time, a lot less than what the people in uh, the media will have you think yes and then actually a quarter of suburbs in perth at least according to core logic having grown in the last five years we don't talk a lot about that no. 50 of the 200 suburbs in perth have got values higher now than they were five years ago yep and listeners can probably come to their own conclusions about where they're going to look for something yeah. uh on the back of of what we're talking about here in in terms of these suburbs you you go to one of these suburbs for potentially your 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 cheapest price or your cheapest investment property or your first home because that's what you can afford Mm. Uh, uh, if you're looking for that longer term investment maybe you want to be closer to the city because none of those suburbs are on our stats saying that they've dropped by 30 percent as you're alluding to yeah yeah there's a real fundamental reason why that fomo swing has been so heavy yep in the outer reaches 
Now, the, the other would just complete our circuit sure. of Perth, but uh, Ellenbrook Averley. Um, so again, correction out in that that location. And it, funnily enough, these numbers are really similar to the Baldivis numbers. So when I we sit around, it's the same thing. It's it, the it same a, demographic. Similar it's the same yep. fundamentals of demand and supply yep. and services. It's just in a different location. Yeah, and so capital values um, as low as two hundred and sixty thousand dollars in there, off off nearly four hundred thousand dollars, and then some other examples at uh, actually higher value because they're probably in a slightly better location but properties down from 570 to 470 575 to 480 so two examples there of dropping 100k in one suburb and then the most severe one is a $155,000 loss over and it is over a period of five years so you know a peak to trough type market cycle but 535 down to $380,000 and these are actual sales change outs right so purchased and sold so it's not us valuing a property again and saying it's gone down this is literally the market was here in 2014 and it's here five years later yeah (sighs) yep uh, and similar again. Are you going to uh, tell me about Alchemos? Yeah, uh, that's where I'm going. I'm uh, going to how the Northwest Corridor. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we. Funnily enough, don't have a, a saturation of Alchemos um, examples here. I've got Clarkson, Yanchip, Butler, and Bankshire Grove. The Butler and Bankshire Grove numbers are down from 470 to to 350 and uh, 392 to 272. So both down 120 grand mm. respectively there. Um, again, losses between 10 and 30 percent in value. You know, Clarkson some. Uh, mid to upper tier property at 700k dropping to 630 and then the lower end of the market in there dropping down to, to uh, 340 from 400 odd thousand dollars so again some really severe drops there uh, Yanship example it's dropped 100k over five years as well April 14 to October 2019 100 odd thousand dollar decrease there my message out of all that information Brendan would be to people if you are thinking of buying in these areas for lifestyle reasons or because you do see value at the bottom of you know what you perceive to be the bottom of the market in these suburbs, please buy established. Please do not continue to hurt the fundamentals, the relationship of demand and supply in those suburbs by adding more supply to that suburb. We don't need it. That suburb doesn't need more supply. What it needs is people for a long-term basis investing their lives in these suburbs and building a community that increases the fundamentals of that community. Yeah, and obviously, as we talked about with Beldivis, all of these suburbs have got that opportunity there for people to come through and have a look at the established products. They Uh, should really have awesome lifestyle outcomes for the long term. Yeah, yeah, they should. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, Ellenbrook was uh, constructed on the back of the ideal of a community. Uh, Got great parks and great infrastructure there, as most suburbs in Perth do these days. So really, it is a case of having a look at what's on the market, what's established, I know that you don't get to choose the color of the tiles in the kitchen mm. or what the bench tops look like and it's not bespoke your house. There's 500 on the market in Bordeaux. <laughs> I'm there sure there'll a be number a on the market you. exactly. Yeah. So you should be looking for and the, the other thing that maybe you want to think about there is you get to almost choose your neighbors as well because you can drive down the established streetscape and work out who's looking after their house, who's not looking after their house, yeah. um, whether that's the street that you'd like to live in. And obviously look at the other infrastructure that's there. You might even have some established plants and gardens and those kinds of things that are a benefit that you don't have to obviously do that work after you build the house. Yeah, Very smart. Uh, let's round out this conversation with a chat about what our conversation will hopefully be next year. Yes. <laughs>
crystal balls. Yeah, what's yeah. that crystal Vanny balls? Vanny was love crystal 2020. balls. 2020, yeah. yeah. We, only, we love analysing sales that happened at least a week ago yeah. and then telling you what happened last week. Yeah. Look, it's, it's sitting here. I haven't given a, too much thought to 2020. Obviously, it's got to be a little bit better than, than 2019. I, I get really scared about being too bullish, but I also uh, am an inherently optimistic person. And I think that whatever you're doing in your property portfolio or your investing or your first home buying, then you need to be out there looking really hard now because we've we've got a number of suburbs and, and they're probably in those ones that we talked about, that closer ring to Perth that have already passed their bottom. So if you were thinking that you're going to buy a bargain in an established suburb within Perth, the, the bargains are, are finished and you should go think about buying in straight away. That the outer suburbs that we've just been through are a different prop- proposition. So you need to sit there and say, okay, what... What is my plan here? Am I buying for a 10-year cycle and I'm going to rent it out or I've got a family member that wants to move in there or is that my first home buyer market that I'm getting into? And it is, I know my debt can be, I can be in Baldivis for two fifty dollars to $300,000 and I'm going to concentrate on smashing that debt down or getting as high a rental as possible and I know that I'll probably get some capital value into the future. So there's some good decisions to be made there. The only other things I'd probably wait for is a little bit, uh, the economists are saying probably uh, two more interest rate drops. So Mm. you'd be wanting to make sure that you're going to victimize your bank for the cheapest interest rate you can get and set that up for, for into the future. So that might be the only thing that you maybe wait on. And obviously, go and watch the market. Get If you're interested, start watching now. See how it pans out over summer. Be sitting there for 2020 and ready to make some decisions. Yeah. Start talking to your local real estate agents. Yep. They are working really hard right now. And the ones that are working hard and smart are actually still doing really well. Yeah. So I would also say we're at the start of the Christmas period now. So many of us have a lifestyle option these days or a lifestyle preference to nick off for two, three weeks. Most of Perth shuts down over that time. It's a great time to start doing your homework or to make a you know a quiet buy. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Well, buying when there's less competition is an absolutely that's, fantastic that's way to tenet do things. Of, yeah, of yeah. buying anything, right? Yeah. Minimize competition. So naturally, there are less people yep. around to compete with you over that time. If you've been sitting, ready to go, getting your pre-approval ready, champing at the bit, I would suggest, and I've suggested personally to a couple of friends of mine, just wait till that week around Christmas and New Year's. Yep. Oh, you'll find it very interesting how some sellers will actually take a few offers at that point because no one's been around for a couple of weeks. Yeah, and they were hoping to sell on the way into Christmas, yeah. Yeah. Yep. All right, Brando, we'll have a chat, I reckon, end of first quarter. Yes. That will be a good time what, just see to see how to. long this this seeming hopeful increase in confidence and fundamentals comes through yep. last year it was a, it was a towel between our legs yep. at that point let's yep. see if hopefully we've got a bit more yeah and story. i think I'll, I'll be watching unemployment at that point in time i, I think we'll, we'll so be having an eye on whether those those jobs that we've just talked about for infrastructure for mining have, have flowed into the economy i'll be watching population and then growth. population on the back of that because if those jobs are there and the wages are right then people are going to start coming from from other parts of australia well the houses certainly aren't being built yep. so that's all we need we're pretty much at that point now where housing the builders just don't have the people to build them even if we came tomorrow with the op- with the opportunity they yep. don't have the capacity so yep. second we start seeing an increase in that demand side the population the wage growth i think that's a while away yeah but second we start seeing the increase in visas coming through uh watch out yep agree Cheers, soon, mate. thanks man thank you for listening to another episode of the perth property show 
If you've only just joined the conversation, you can catch up by heading over to our website, perthpropertyshow.com.au, subscribing to the podcast or joining our Facebook page. Don't forget to tune in next Monday at 7am for more expert insights, local analysis and suburb spotlights. Happy hunting!